in today's show. We're looking at injuries. Who's injured heading into the season? What do injuries mean? How do we account for them in fantasy? All of that after Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Thanks to everyone again who has made this their first listen every day. It's awesome. Um... Rest of this week, still trying to figure stuff out. We're in a bit of a dead fantasy zone, but I've got some ideas of shows, thanks to other people who submitted them. Might do something about settings for setting up a league, redraft and dynasty, category league and points leagues. We might do something like that. Might do some stuff with some analysis, which I'm doing a little bit of analysis on things at the moment, contract year stuff. I think we might do that. Um, we might do some stuff on some other types of ranking systems. And what I've thought, of, so I'm going to be away for a couple of days at the end of this week, and Knowing me, I'm sure, well, not knowing me, knowing just the general uh, happenstance that when you happen to head away, something big happens. Yeah, I'm sure you know, there'll be a deal go down. But so I don't want to talk about anything massively impactful for this season when I could be away and Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant or Kyrie gets traded, right? So what I'm thinking of doing, and this was inspired by a podcast I heard on the Pro Football Focus Stock Exchange, I think it's called, um, podcast where they were like, let's do an expansion. Let's do, you know, who do we protect? Who do we draft? There's some evergreen-ish sort of shows for this time of the year. So I might do something like that. Again, it's not massively fantasy relevant. And there's not massive amounts of fantasy stuff happening at the moment. So I thought I might just do something like that. A little bit entertaining. And uh, we'll see. If everyone's vehemently against it, I don't know why you would be, but maybe you are. Please let me know. All right. Now we're going to talk Injuries. One of the things that annoys us so much in fantasy and the thing we have absolutely zero control over. Now, we always hear the people, I'm never drafting this player because he got hurt like Bradley Beal, never again. Damien Lillard, maybe in the fourth round because they got hurt last year. Porzingis, I'll never draft him. Yeah, he was the sixth ranked player in fantasy playoffs. Shea, he's always going to get shut down. Third ranked in fantasy playoffs. Joel Embiid, why would I draft that guy high? And now he's like the overwhelming favorite to go number two because he had one year of being healthy. Our opinions or the general hive mind opinion changes like that on a player. And you know my phrase or phrases. You're injury prone until you're not. You're an Iron Man until you're not. But does it actually, does it correlate? Is there anything that moves forward? We're going to talk correlation. Games played year to year over periods of time and see if there's anything we can actually take out of that. But, before we start off with that, Warney, he's got to kick it off. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at who's currently injured and what that means for them hitting into the season. Now, my general rule is someone who misses the beginning of the season with a lower body injury, I'm out on. I just don't want to deal with it. It's so hard for them to come back and be at their same level. You don't really get big enough discounts on them in drafts, especially if they're out two to three months. It costs you so much. So, 
Some of these guys, we don't know whether they're going to be ready. And we'll do more of this updated when we get closer to the season. Bogdan Bogdanovich had knee surgery. I would have to assume, this is after the season, I would have to assume that Bogdanovich is going to be in real doubt to be 100% healthy by training camp. You don't just come back from knee surgery that quickly. So with the addition of DeJounte Murray, he's probably not going to be someone I'd look to draft with that knee injury on top of that. The Nets, well, there's a whole bunch of other problems there. But Joe Harris was out all of last season, had multiple ankle surgeries because it didn't go well. He's not a good fantasy player anyway. And given the uncertainty around his ankle, there's no way I'm interested there. Ben Simmons, like who knows? He sat out last season for um, emotional reasons, mental health reasons, franchise dispute reasons, got to the nets and then had a back injury. And then there's, but there's a whole bunch of doubt and cloud over that as well. Is he ready to go this year? Like, I honestly just couldn't tell you. He is a top 50 sort of fantasy player, maybe higher. And if they do clear out a bunch of players there, he could be a top 30 guy, especially in points formats. But the risk is pretty significant, and we just have no information. Tony Warren, when did he last play? January 21? Broken foot, rebroken foot, surgeries, didn't play at all last season. He signed for a minimum in Brooklyn, and given the player that he was before the injury, that foot must be not particularly great. Because if he was anything near the player that he was before, he's not getting a one-year minimum deal to be a backup in Brooklyn. Sure, he might be an interesting flyer, but we're not putting any stock in Tony Warren and his value. Lonzo Ball, man, that's worrying. I He was like top 40 player last season. I would be very hesitant to draft a guy who had multiple knee injuries. It didn't get better. It's still not better. The Bulls are trying to be positive, but they're doing it like that meme. You know, that guy with like the mask over his face and he's crying behind it. That's what the Bulls updates are. Oh, yeah. Nah, yeah, Lonzo. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah, look. Yeah, he's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, we hope. Like, it doesn't sound good at all. All right, so I don't know if he's going to be ready to start the season. I would have my doubts on it, but I am certain that he is going to miss time through maintenance, through ramping back up, and it's going to make it really tough. Ravishing Rick Rubio, torn ACL. He won't be ready to start the year. ACLs basically are a 12-month injury. And if you're Jonathan Isaac, a 20-year injury. So Rubio tore his ACL like December, January. So don't expect him to be ready October, November, maybe December. And then when he comes back, we don't know what's happening with Colin Sexton yet. The reason his numbers really skyrocketed is because Sexton went out. And he played like 28 minutes a night. And I really don't think with Levert and maybe Sexton back, he's going to have that value. Maga Porter Jr., we assume that he's ready, but we don't know. Had that back injury that he was terrible and then played like, what, five games and then never came back. He's going to be hard to draft with his history of that back injury, recurring back injury, but he will still be a guy that I think there's a little bit of value there. The headmaster, Jamal Murray, similar. We didn't get him to play. Yeah, sorry, he didn't play it all last season. Not a shock. When you tear your ACL April the 5th, and the season ends April the 10th the following year, there's no real rush to bring someone like that back. Now, I hear some people doubting that he'll be ready for the start of the season. And unless he had the John Isaac, I don't see why that would be the case. He should be ready to go. Maybe there'll be some limitations early on. I don't think it'll be an ongoing thing, though. Um, some other ACLs. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> um, 
He missed all of last season. Again, he tore his ACL in like, what, the start of June? He was never coming back this regular season. I think that he'll be fine, ready to go, ready to crack in straight off. But, of course, he will miss games. He will probably sit all back-to-back games, and if he gets to 70, I'll be stunned. He's going to be a first-round player on a per-game basis, but he's going to miss 15 to 20 games. Through maintenance, his age, his history of injuries, his his return from this ACL. He will miss plenty of time. Jaron Jackson's a fresh injury, broken foot. He claims, nah, my foot's all right. Yeah, all right. I won't believe him at all on any injury update whatsoever. Broken foot, stress fracture foot. Yeah, this is the TJ Warren. Is he TJ Warren? No, TJ Warren, probably one of the slowest healers in the NBA. Jaron might be up there, but TJ is one of the slowest healers in the NBA. But still, I don't expect Jaron Jackson ready for the start of the season. If he is, it's a massive bonus. I'm just expecting it's January that he's back, mid-January. Therefore, I'm not touching him inside the top 100. Not interested in the slightest. Grizzlies injury reports, big man, broken foot. It's all terrible. Don't, don't touch him. That's what I'm thinking. Danny Green tore his ACL in like May or June for the Sixers. He's on the Grizzlies roster. He won't play this season unless some medical miracle happens. Chris Middleton with wrist surgery. I would have to I'd have to guess. I don't want to say assume again, but I'd have to guess that he is going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season. But this has got very Pascal Siakam vibes. A bloke who is great with an upper body injury that's going to cost him a week or two, three weeks to begin the season. And that might discount him. He might fall outside the top 60 in drafts. He might not. But if he does, I'll snap him up. Last season, I was able to get Siakam at 97 in drafts, 68, 75. He's like a top 30 player when he came back four weeks into the year. And that's fine. That's upper body stuff. We can deal with it. And I think that'll be the same with Chris. Ingles has an ACL. That was in January. So don't expect him back until January and even then limited role. EJ Liddell tore his ACL in summer league. He won't play this season. Uh, Kyra Lewis, remember him? I don't even know if he's going to play. He tore his ACL, I think, January. He's really fast. The shot is terrible. I think he's still got some value, but with Dyson Daniels there, the dustbuster, McCullum, Graham, he's not going to be a rotation piece anyway. And then, of course, the big one in New Orleans is Zion Williamson. Hopefully, he's not as big as what he was last season, but he didn't play at all. Will he be on a minutes limit? Will he be on a games played limit? I think very softly. I don't think it's going to be sit every back-to-back and play 28 minutes. I think he'll roll through with 33, and he'll probably end up at 66 to 70 games would be my guess. It's a risky proposition, but the last time we saw him, he put up massive numbers, especially for points leagues. And I think I think he's a top, a top 20 upside per game guy this season. You don't draft him there, and there's significant risk, obviously, uh, associated with Zion Williamson. There's no risk with Built Bar, though, because they're always going to be the best-tasting protein bars that you've ever tasted. And now, they've got Built Bar Puffs. Have you tried them? You're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest pleasures outside of listening to this podcast. There's a new flavor. It is cookie dough. It is chocolate. Built Bar has done it again. Cookie dough chunk puff. A light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough is such an American flavor. It's never something that ever existed here. I love it. It's the best. I love cookie dough. Whatever I can get cookie dough, I'm getting onto it. And now Built Bar's got it in their puffs. I am all about it. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your order with the code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Built Bar is, of course, built different. 
Let's look at some other injuries that we're going to go through here. Jalen Suggsy Suggs, really good defender last year, horrible offensive player. Had ankle surgery. I assume he'll be ready to go to start the season and ready to start. I would not be shocked to see Jalen Suggs have a 10 to 12 percentage point true shooting percentage rise this season and become a top 70 player. And I would have absolutely no interest in drafting him there. As a late round pick, absolutely. No worries. Totally fine. No, not, not a problem whatsoever. Yes, there is the presence of Fultz and Anthony and how they all work in. I've got no idea. Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, they're all still there. But Suggs is the guy. They invested highly. He disappointed. I still think there's the opportunity. I think you'll be ready to go. As for the yokai, John Isaac, well, he had the torn ACL. That took 25 months to come back from. And then when he was coming back and, and practicing, of course, not playing, because why would you? He um had a hamstring issue and had to have surgery on that. And that was in end of March, April. So, is he going to be ready to start the season? The answer is, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I expect he will be, but I also expect he's going to play very limited minutes. He's going to sit out a lot of games. Oh, yeah. They also drafted a guy that plays in his position at number one overall in Paulo Banquero. So, is Isaac going to be draftable? I, I wouldn't want to. Last pick, maybe. But then he comes in and he sits there, he plays 50 games, he plays 20 minutes a night. It might end up looking like a Nerland's Noel stat line for John Isaac. Dario Saric tore his ACL in the finals against the Bucks, But then, this sort of slid under the radar, I didn't even see this. In May, he had to have another surgery on his knee for his meniscus. So there's some doubt that he's ready to begin the season. He would likely be just the backup five with Crowder and Cam Johnson getting the minutes at the four. So the minutes behind Aiden, who, who knows what they do with Aiden in terms of playing time, but there's not enough there for Sharich to be really fantasy relevant. Nasir Little, Shaden Sharp, both with shoulder injuries. Sharp hurted at Summer League for the Blazers, Little at the end of last season. I think Little's got a chance to start. It might also be Josh Hart in that spot. He's going to be just a late-round guy, but there is some real upside in Nasir Little. But Jeremy Grant sort of impacts that. Sharp's not really going to play much. And then Lillard, of course, he had the abdominal surgery, which we saw coming from a mile away at the beginning of last season, not in the preseason, unfortunately. But once the season started, um, I think he is going to slide unnecessarily. I believe ESPN, you're going to hold on to yourselves. Hold on to whatever you can. Their rankings are a little off. They're a little off at ESPN. I think he's ranked 32nd at the moment. Don't know why they have rankings out anyway or why they're doing mock drafts. But it's th he's 32, which is one of the most gigantic steals you'll ever find. I don't think there's any problem with taking Lillard in the first round. Unless you just think that what he did last season... I, I think there's decline there, absolutely, right? He's going to decline. No problem. But 32, that's, uh, that's pretty insane. And then people are going to be off Bradley Beal because of the wrist injury. Now, he was terrible before the surgery, but how much of the terribleness was because of the surgery? I don't know that we take him in the first round. In fact, I probably wouldn't. But early second, there's so much uncertainty. Like, look, would you take Beal or would you take Kawhi Leonard? I think Beal's got to be back in that mix. And I think he'll be absolutely no problem, ready to go when the season rolls around. Something we've been tracking at Basketball Monster for the last couple of years is the percentage of games that people play when they're questionable. We've done it for the last three years, I believe. So we've got numbers for that. And while there's always context associated with it, I thought it was useful because we always hear this, oh man, it's questionable every game. And then, yeah, it's about the games that they leave and you know the uncertainty in lineups and all that sort of stuff. So let's go through the data that we've collected over the last three seasons 
for these players. So who plays the most? Now, I used a cutoff here for at least being listed 10 times as questionable over the last three years. Who plays the most when they are questionable? Old mate, Corey Joseph. 91% of the time, he played when he was listed questionable. Does that help us for fantasy? Probably not. But it's interesting to me, these next couple. Reggie Jackson, 90%. I don't think he's going to be draftable with John Wall there, but 90% of the time he played. Anthony Edwards, interestingly. Goose, going to hit the music. 83% of the time. Ja Morant, 82% of the time. Now, Morant is questionable quite a bit and injured quite a bit. But when he's questionable, his recovery seems to be really fast. PJ Tucker played 81% of the times that he was questionable. How about LeBron? He was listed questionable a ton. We know that. The Lakers, This is now this is context dependent because the Lakers, the injury reporting is a joke. They just list everybody as injured all the time. And they play nearly every time. So LeBron, 77%. No one should be surprised at that when they would just say every game LeBron is questionable and he would play. 77% over the last three years. Yusuf Nurkic, also at 77%. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Which was a little bit of a shock to me. What about the guys that don't? The guys who have been questionable over 10 times over the last three years and play the least. Some, some interesting names. Alec Berg. He played 13% of the time, Alec Burks, when he was questionable. The Rock DJ, Robbie Williams. Rock DJ. 15%. Nick Claxton, 22%. The Jedi, OG Ananobi. But what about Scarf? OG. Stop OG. Uh, you better stop OG. Yeah, um, 24%. Joe Harris, 25%. Malcolm Brogo Brogdon, 27% of the time that he was questionable. He played. Now, some of that is whatever nonsense the Pacers were doing last season. And that does skew that number somewhat. But didn't play much. And then, interestingly, Cade Cunningham, over 10 times questionable as a rookie, played only 29% of the time. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but he did have some injuries to start last season. But it's worth, it's worth monitoring. So who was questionable the most? I'll let you have a guess. Who do you think was questionable the most over the last three years? And if you don't get the top three players, I don't really think you're trying that hard. The most questionable player over the last three years was Anthony Davis. 92 times. And he played 59% of the time. And then it was Jimmy Butler, who was questionable 90% of the time. General Saunas played 52% of the time. And then it was Joel Embiid who was 85 times questionable, but he played 74% of the time. That's a big discrepancy. Then LeBron at 83 with 77% play. Brogdon at 66, 27% play. Yikes. Porzingis? Porzingis. 61 times questionable, 43% play. Noel, 60 times questionable, 45% play. And then this one really surprised me, and I, I included here, he wasn't... He wasn't exactly the guy straight over under Noel. It was Derek Rose who was the guy under Noel, but I wanted to put him on the graphic. JB, you've done it again. Jalen Brown was questionable 56 times and played 55% of the time. And I bring him up because the rumor of the Kevin Durant deal of going to Boston in exchange for Jalen Brown. Now, J there's always been something a little weird with the Jalen Brown Celtics relationship. And I don't know how to put my finger on it. Jalen Brown seems like an absolutely cracking bloke, really good teammate. But there's always been this slight little thing where the Celtics maybe undervalue him or he feels a little bit undervalued. 
and now this report coming out, they're, they're offering him up. It felt to me, recklessly speculating with no information, just trying to read vibes, that the Celtics aren't particularly convinced that Jalen's going to re-sign in a couple of years when he's an unrestricted free agent. That there's still just something a little bit under there in their relationship. And I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it's like that, but I got that impression. So, you're bringing him up just to mention that trade detail. Then, of course, he's going to be pissed at this information. We know what he's like as a person. Not a bad thing, but we know his loyalty, his intelligence, and we know how he's going to have some issues with this. And I just get the feeling there was something a little bit simmering with him and the organization that they were maybe like, I don't know he's going to stick around. Let's see what we can do here. This is no guarantee to happen. Of course, by the time you listen to this, maybe it has happened. I don't know. I don't think it will. But... It's worth mentioning, and I wanted to just talk that talk about that. Now, been doing some stuff on statistical correlations, and the closer a number gets to one, when we're doing the R value, I think it's called Pearson coefficient, the more highly correlated it is. Meaning, when one number is high, the other number is high in the same degree. It's a good graph, x and y axis, and you've got a line going straight up the middle, hundred percent correlated. Right? We talked about that when looking at statistics. And categories. And the highest correlation, player who had highest assists would have the highest turnovers. We correlated fantasy points to minutes and fantasy points to usage and fantasy rank to minutes and fantasy rank to usage and every stat to see where the correlations lied. Anything you, anytime you get an R of over 0.7, it's considered a pretty strong correlation. We had about four or five when we did that show. If you have some, and it goes to negatives as well. So negative 0.7 to negative one, positive 0.7 to positive 0.1. If you're around zero, there is no correlation. It's like one of those um, you know, uh, graphs where the dots are just randomly placed. There's no line, there's no correlation. It's just randomly placed. That's when you're at zero. And if you're between 0.3 and 0.7, it's a weak correlation. It's a weak correlation. Under 0.3 is very weak. So what I thought I'd do, and I know I'm talking a lot here and I've, Let's get it back onto my face for some reason. Um, is how do we look at injuries? Because we hear about it a lot. What do we do with injured players? I can't draft this guy because he was hurt. He's always hurt. This guy's durable. Let's draft him. Let's rely upon it. But it, does it actually work? Does, does the data play out that that is a viable strategy? Because we drafted Damien Lillard. He's reliable. We drafted Bradley Beal. He doesn't get hurt. He plays through everything. We drafted Bam Adebayo. He's fine. He doesn't play. I'm not touching him, Bede. He, he won't play. And it, the, if you did all those things, you got killed. So is there correlation between what a player does in previous years versus their games played? Now, I always tell you, you cannot predict an injury. It is literally impossible, let alone predicting when an injury is going to happen. Oh, this guy might get hurt in my fantasy playoffs. You can't do it. I guarantee you, you can't do it. It's an impossible thing to do. But is there correlation to players who were hurt in previous seasons or missed games in previous seasons and what happens moving forward? This is not an exact science. I tried to look, I think it was the top 250 players that I looked at to try and correlate these guys across. You know, I didn't want to go too deep into it because players would miss games through not being good enough versus being hurt. And, and there's going to be some, some issues with some of these numbers. They're not perfect, but I think it gives us some, some information. So what I did is I went back five seasons and looked year to year what the correlation was. Are you ready? Let's take a look. 2020 to 2021 versus last season. The correlation of games played was 
0.08. No correlation whatsoever. Oh, that's bad. That Now, what that doesn't mean is that... Now, sometimes I will say this. like The more, the longer you go on and play without getting hurt, the closer you are to your next injury, which is something I like to look at and go, well, you know, you are going to get hurt at some point. Those numbers don't say that. That's why I wanted to do that, to see if there was actually... Because if, if, that, if that was the case, there would have been a negative correlation. It would have been like a negative 0.6 or a 0.7, that the more games you play in one previous season, the fewer you play the next one. That's not the case. This is just saying... It's basically random. There is no correlation, positive or negative. Whether you play 70 games or 40 games, it doesn't change whether you play 70 or 40 the next season. It's completely random based on 21-22 versus 2021. If you're here watching on YouTube, you can see some of the other years. But if I do 19-20, that's the COVID shutdown year. Through to 2021, that's the 72-game shortened season. And I did use... All of those, you know, I did this as percentage of games played because some of these are 82-game seasons, some are 72, and then the 19-20 season, some teams played 65, some played 72, some played 73 based on COVID, right? So I used all of those numbers. The correlation between 1920 and 2021 was the highest, 0.37. Is that good? No, but it means it's weakly correlated. It's not a good number. You want 0.7 or above. For example, a 0.37, when we compare, compare and contrast it to how we correlated um, the categories and their category value. The correlation there is about the same as blocks to free throws as a correlation. It's very similar to a um, threes and rebounds correlation. So not particularly strong. Like you wouldn't look at threes and rebounds and say, well, threes and rebounds is a negative correlation, but it's it's still not particularly strong. So that's the highest number, 0.37. Um, 18-19, the first pre-COVID season, up until to 19-20, 0.12, really weak. And then 17-18 to 18-19, 0.14, really weak. So overall, it didn't really tell us much. Well, that's not true. It told us that it's very, very hard to look at those past numbers and correlate them. And while you can pick out individual examples, that is that is true. And we can say that. And we can look at this and go, well, Jaron Jackson's hurt to start this year. So therefore, I'll avoid him because I know he's hurt. But because Joel Embiid was healthy last season and Damian Lillard was hurt, based off these numbers, it means they might get hurt again or they might both be healthy this season. It really means nothing for those sort of things. And it's really, really tough to bake that into your drafting because there are going to be plenty of hits or misses when it is so randomly correlated. I also looked at some multiple year correlation stuff. So does cumulative games played have an impact? Well, let's have a look. I looked at the 1920 and 2021 season and averaged out the percentage of games players played and compared it to last season. So that's two years. So the preceding two years versus last season. 0.3. Point three. That's that's an okay. That's it's not great, but it's okay. I looked at the preceding three years: 18, 19, 19, 20, 2021, and then contrasted it to 21, 22. Point one five. Ooh, that's pretty rough. I was hoping to see from these a negative correlation. I didn't get that. And then I went back four years. Four years preceding 17 through to 21 versus last season. 
that had a correlation of 0.01, meaning the amount of games you played in the four preceding seasons meant absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. As close to no correlation whatsoever that you could find compared to what they did last season. Now, this is, if I went back 20 years, 30 years, it wouldn't always be, hey, uh, the four years don't correlate. But there's enough things that I looked at here that made me go, not one had a strong correlation. Not one even had really a moderate correlation. So I look at it and go, do previous injuries and previous games played mean anything? Does long-term, and I thought, you know, I, I was hoping to get a result out of this saying that, playing multiple you know, big games over multiple years would lead to missing games in the future, but that didn't even come true. So in the end, flick a coin, roll a dice. You don't know, for, you can pick out specific examples, sure. But in general, the correlation is not there. It's not something that, that we look at and go, because you did this last season, you will do this this year. Because you missed games, you will miss games. Because you played games, you will play games. The overall numbers tell me Based on this, again, not the most robust. I could have gone and done this over a 50-year sample or whatever, right? But what I did here on all of those different correlations, it made me look at it and go, I don't actually think there's any predictive value in games played. It doesn't tell me anything about future injuries, which I thought was really interesting. I'd like to know your, your thoughts on it. You can tweet it at me at redrock underscore Beeble. You can comment on the YouTube video and, and yeah, let me know what you think about some of these findings and the injured guys early on. How does that, does it impact anything you do in the draft or not? I'm interested to know. Guys, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, you know what to do. You got to thumb it up. You can leave your comments down below and of course, subscribe. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.